Greetings, Game Cold Faithful, and welcome to the Game Cold Podcast. This is podcast number 169. Nice. 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 And I am your host and podcast commander, Joseph Martin, joined by... I'm Speedy Blue. I'm Quick as Lightning James. I'm Jumpin' John. And together we're the Speed Rangers. <laughs> this podcast is a fast one. We're pulling a fast one on you. Thank you, Blue, for the good joke that I have stolen for the podcast title and theme. Uh, with, we're recording this the Sunday before the podcast goes out, so we don't have a lot of time. I have to edit this out in less than 24 hours, or in about 24 hours. It'll be less when we're done. That's math for you. Uh, so, uh, we each get, this is the rule, we each get 15 minutes. Uh, mine includes this bit here, so I'm just gonna get started now with my topics, which are two games that I've been playing in recent times. The first one you've probably heard and expected uh, Mega Man Battle Network. I've got, I finished one, two, and three at this point, and I've Sick. enjoyed them. They have not yet blown me away. I have not had a moment like I've had with, uh, like, for example, Mega Man Zero Three, where I was like, ah, yes, this is, like, they nailed it. They, they took all of the good elements and they, like, nailed it. There's still three more games, four, five, and six, <laughs> but, um, I've also heard that some people say that they like three the best. And if this is the high point, then I'm not sure. I guess I've heard that like three is the best narratively and six is the best mechanically. Like they do improve and make more interesting mechanics as time goes on. Some of you guys have played. James, you've played some Battle Network, right? I I haven't played it, but I've seen like complete like what I, I used to watch walkthroughs of the game years and years ago, and I still rewatch them occasionally. So I I okay. know the games relatively well, at least one through three anyway. Yeah, so like, and so, okay, then we're in this similar yeah. range of experience. Um, what I would say is that the there's sort of two main domains that the game exists in. One is the RPG, kind of RPG, though a very unique take on this li- uh, this action RPG angle, where mm-hmm. you've got these, this grid virus battle or a net battle where they're like the boss battles Mm -hmm. you've got you've got nine squares your opponent has nine squares you move around those nine squares in real time and you have a certain basically they're called chips but you can think of them as like you get five random moves from a set of 30 that you pick ahead of time Mm -hmm. and you have to you know your goal is to defeat the enemy with as fast as you can without taking damage um obviously you don't want to die but also the faster you do it and the less damage you take the better your reward at the end of the battle is. So either you'll get money, which you can spend on upgrades or other chips moves, mm-hmm. um, or you'll get chips themselves. Kind of like, kind of like Paper Mario's Sticker Star, but good. So not Paper like, Mario's Sticker Star. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like similar idea of like really breaking down like the idea of an RPG battle and creating something new out of it that isn't necessarily based entirely on experience points, right? It's based yeah. on getting, you know, having you you do tougher battles and through those tougher battles you get access to stronger things. Right. And you get this curve, but you also still get and you get like power-ups, like health power-ups. And it's actually now that I'm thinking about it, it is really similar to a lot of how Sticker Star works. One of the core things, though, is that actually doing the battles is fun. Mm-hmm. And it <laughs> which gives is, you which something is, like, useful. Yeah, and you get some... Right, the the chips are useful. There's... And the there's money. mechanics. The money, there's too, because you buy yeah. the upgrades, most of them, anyway. And there's also a very clearly marked mechanic of, if you do get stuff that is useless to you, you can get rid of it for a chance to get something else cool, because yeah. they have these chip trader gachapon things in the game where you put three or ten chips in and it gives you a random one back Mm -hmm. so because there are limits like you can only use you only you never need more than four of a certain or five depending on the game of a certain chip because it limits how many of the same chip you can have yeah in in your folder so those are easy to say like oh this is extra but i can it's not worthless whereas i feel like in like sticker star you're just getting all these stickers and most of them were useless Mm-hmm. And you, there was no random element too, right? Like, that's the other thing. Like, the random element also keeps any one battle from being exactly the same. But you still get into a le- point where you're like, oh, I can take care of these battles very quickly. But it's not like, oh, I just press A. It's, yeah. oh, this chip, you know, I still have to position myself. I still have to, like, think a little bit. 
and, even if it's easy. And you're given a random assortment of chips at the start of battle, unlike right. Sticker Star, where my understanding is you can just pick from your entire array of stickers. So, like, there is yeah. – every battle is different by virtue of you don't know what you're going to get at the start of – and I think a while back I likened – the battle network games to a card game when while it turns out that's probably not really the best way to do it that that one aspect where you're sort of dealt a random set of things that you have at the start of the game i still think is a little reminiscent of like a card game where mm -hmm. your hand at the start of each turn is just pulled from like a deck or in this case like uh your your pack of uh your i forget what it's called exactly your deck of chips or something like that yeah it, they call it a folder folder that's right totally not cards, cards that's the other thing that is so interesting about this game uh, that i'll get to in a little bit but like the theme the the theme of of sort of sci-fi future internet at a time <laughs> where the internet was primarily based on cables it's a series is, of tubes it's it's very interesting Showing like this is a futuristic technological world where the internet is pervasive is pervasive in every aspect of life, mm -hmm. but it's still very much based on physically connecting to devices. Yeah. Like there's really not any sort of wireless technology. Like it, it was, it's very interesting how they like, yeah. There's a little bit, but it's like at the bit. same thing. Like the, I was thinking like about like phones. it really is. The, there's cell phones basically. Like you can receive yeah. calls. Right, and, like, you can get emails, but also there is, like, a, there is, this is the era of the wireless adapter, too, which is, like, it, that's the exact level of, like, wirelessness you get. Like, there's one part where you yeah. get a key item, which is a device that yes. lets you connect to wirelessly, but you still have to, you'd still have to physically take this take wireless device, wireless put it into the port, it. <laughs> and right. then you could connect to it from, like, the other side of the room, yeah, which is, like, like Battle Network it's so funny too, that this it? is such a futuristic world, yeah. It's such a futuristic world, and yet, like, that is still the concept of what wireless technology is. And basically, the only advances are that, like, you can receive emails, I yeah. think. It's the kind of like, things you can do wirelessly. with the internet, not the technology used to make the internet, almost. It's so fascinating. Um, it's but the other side of of battle network is the overworld stuff and that they have definitely not figured out how to make interesting or fun <laughs> it is so much just like find the npc find the random th just find the random thing to click a on and that can be especially frustrating when you have these random encounters and thankfully the random encounters are fun enough that kind of getting lost and continuously running into them as you try to figure out where you're supposed to go right. is is fun enough that like it's like okay it's not that big a deal but it's still frustrating to be like it and it's also like some of this might be localization too, but it's not necessarily that any given like task is impossible to figure out, but it's, there's so many of them like this that eventually you're going to hit, get hit on something that you did not like, Oh, it was some element of a room that you didn't recognize or you didn't happen to hit a on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're not going to remember. And so then it's just like, Oh, I'm going to walk around the whole world or I'm just eventually like I look up on the internet, which yeah. To be fair, is a thing you could do in 2000, in the, you know, early 2000s. And in fact, a lot of, it's funny when I look up these posts, a lot of the time, like the first or second result will be like a forum post from like Wrong. 2004. <laughs> so it's actually kind of a similar experience. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like there was one where it was like one bird among many or something like that. And guess what? It's not the birds at the zoo. You know, the zoo that is a key location that you've been to many times and have had to click on the birds many times. No, it's a random set of what is apparently paper cranes in a hospital room that does not look like that. Yep. In the hospital room. <laughs> and you're supposed to click on that. And it's like, how would you uh, ever figure just, this out? Just be glad that you aren't going for the post game because in the post game, there is a particular quest that requires you to know... Japanese because they didn't translate one of the puzzles. <laughs> like I don't mean That's they didn't so translate the dialogue, but like there you get these three items which have these little filled in squares and blank squares and if you stack them vertically, they spell out a word in katakana, which is one of the <laughs> writing uh one of the the writing right, types right. of Japanese. But again, 
this is in katakana. So it requires that you, A, know how to read katakana, and B, know what that word means. Mm-hmm. And, like, literally, there is no other possible way you can complete that side quest in the post game unless you just look it up otherwise. Yeah. It's like, yeah, how, it's... well, whoops. The localizers are definitely struggling. There's another section of a game where, like, there's these letter tiles, and you have to, like, you get asked a question, you have to step on the correct letter tiles to get through that section. And it is very clear that the original, whatever the original Japanese was, it did not translate enough that you could just translate the puzzles. But then also that means that the localizers just had to come up with their own puzzles, and they're so bad at it. (laughs) There's no difficulty curve. A lot of them just don't make any sense. Like, there was one where the answer was B, but it was, like, like a B, the bug. But then, like, you, it's just, you're just supposed to hit the letter B. Because I'm guessing it was a single, you know, character or kanji in the original. And it was yeah. just, like, it's so, oh, it was so. And then there was one part where, like, you had two word, two passwords, which were just a series of random letters, and you had to like alternate them. Yeah, like oh, use the first gosh. one or the first one. And I could to remember it, I had to start singing the <laughs> the two words in <laughs> in the battle theme whenever I would hit the battle theme. Because that's the other thing; like you have so much context changing. It's very easy to get lost because you you're walking somewhere, you enter a random battle, you exit the random battle, and you're like, I've oh, completely which forgotten way was I going? what I was Where doing. Yeah. Or it's the time. There's another thing in the at the end of three, like there are these things that are like moving around and you have to avoid them or you'll get like grabbed and sent back. And if you hit a random battle while you're like, you know, navigating through these things, you get dropped out of the random battle and then you just get eaten up. Yeah. Cause you, you have to take a second to regain your context. That one, that section was also terrible because it had like these random bits where it's like, Oh, you stepped in the wrong place. There was no tell for it. You just stepped in the wrong place. And now you have to go back to the beginning. Yep. There's so the overworld <laughs> stuff is 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 a bit of a mess. There's um, yeah. There's also I mean again. There's also some side quests and other things. Like have you seen any of the um the the I call them the peekaboo NPCs where like there's like you see like one pixel of I've, somebody or like as you walk yeah, past they I've, pop out for just like a couple frames and then hide back away and you have yeah to I've gotten a couple that. of them. Yeah, so there's some yeah. of those. There's also uh, the quiz masters. If you talk to them, I forget if they're post game only. I yeah, I've done some of those are. too. And those are no. Also there's some. Like there, there's some wacky. There's some in the in the pre, but then then the like the high level ones are in the post game. Yeah, so those I are think. also equally. It's just like, well, how would I? You know, it's like, what's the number of like chairs in this one particular room? Like, yeah, it's like really. <laughs> but you can also brute force that at least, right? Like, right. It's a bit of a pain, but you can brute force it in a way that you can't brute force finding... Well, you can brute force finding an NPC, but it's terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, real quick, because I'm running out of my 15 minutes. Um, I've also been playing Pokemon Sleep. It's very interesting. Um, so you've been sleeping. A lot, yes, I've been, I've been getting <laughs> as much sleep as I can to get all those pocket mans. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think it's kind of just making it up a little bit. Like, is it really detecting how well I sleep? Probably not, but, um, and I apparently do not make many interesting sounds while I sleep. I just roll over like every couple of hours and that's yeah. it. That's prob- so no, no fun content thing. there. Would you say this um, game is also like Paper Mario Sticker Star? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also, um, very front heavy in the morning. Like when you wake up, that's when you have to do most of the stuff in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it's a kind of game where you can just sort of pull it up and like you're feeding Snorlax the berries. So you just click on all the Pokemon and all the berries and the ingredients for the food goes in. And then you feed Snorlax a, a breakfast, lunch, and a dinner. So really you only need to access it like maybe three or four times a day. And for just for like a couple seconds or like, like a minute or two, a couple times a day, which is like, Maybe a little bit more involved than I thought it would be, but also um, it's better than scrolling Twitter and Reddit. It's better for my mental health, so mm-hmm. it's not that bad. Anyway, I've hit my 15 minutes, so that's all I can say. Who's next? I'll go next. Uh, okay, James. So You did something very interesting. I did. I'm very excited to hear about this. Yeah, so uh, these previous two days before we're recording this podcast, I visited the Vintage Computer Festival uh, West, which was held at the uh, the Computer History Museum here in California. Uh, I'd never really attended stuff like this before, but it was 
really, really amazing. I mean, one being held in a computer history museum, although it's not held in the actual museum section. They have an upper floor where it's like exhibit halls and that sort of stuff, which is dedicated for this sort of thing. And they, they sponsor the event and stuff like that. Um, so I didn't actually visit the museum proper for the most part, but I got to see, uh, you know, the, the whole event is a bunch of people like giving talks about their various projects or, you know, the interesting things uh, that they've done regarding, you know, the, you know, computer or video game world and, uh, you know, just people bringing their unique or obscure or uh, interesting vintage computing hardware. There, there was somebody who uh, had a bunch of old computers hooked up to an electric sewing machine uh, to like, like, like not a sewing machine, a knitting machine. So it would actually knit yarn uh, based on computer commands. That was really cool. So you could like hmm. basically just plug in an image and as long as you, you know, attach, you know, as long as you, you spooled up the correct colors of threads, it would just make that image. It was really interesting. That, yeah, that's really cool. So then there was somebody with, uh, there was a whole section of uh, vintage like 80s and 90s Japanese home computers, which was really cool. Somebody had a, a digital camcorder set uh, uh, plugged into a 1987 uh, Sharp X68000 computer, and you could take selfies and print out photos using their the 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 art software on there which is actually hmm. for for its time like really really advanced very fancy yeah like it's it's on par with like i mean i don't use photoshop or anything that advanced but i use software called paint.net um which mm -hmm. is like yeah. you know has a lot of the basic stuff um you know and you can apply free. filters yeah it's free um and this software basically had all of those features you know masking cropping uh, you know, outlining text, in, you know, text placing, and all sorts of other stuff, as well as the ability to display video, like you know, and then capture a screenshot of video being input to the computer, because the computer just had an optional video uh, input card <laughs> that you could buy <laughs> for it. And so, of course, there were lots of games. There was a an IBM computer that had a Sega Genesis inside. Mm. which was inside yes like, so like there was a floppy disk drive and then there's just a sega genesis cartridge port and controller plugs <laughs> it was it was i've again like basically all of these computers i've never seen anything like them before um, yeah that's so, really cool so that, yeah people just had so they just had a genesis flash cart hooked up to it and you could play you know some people were playing sonic cd and, uh, you know, a couple other Genesis games. So one was called, like, uh, Subterranean, which had really cool music, uh, on ostensibly a desktop computer, except it was real Sega Genesis hardware inside. Um, and then there were a whole bunch of, you know, more obscure Japanese home computers, like the PC-98, uh, the MSX computers. I actually played a little uh, Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake on Ooh. on the on a real msx2 that that was really cool although it was a lot of trouble getting it running like the people like the the exhibitor uh <laughs> had to really futz with the computer for a while to get it working but uh that was really fun so and then just a whole bunch of other stuff people had uh you know now the the hardware for setting up what is effectively a dial-up internet service provider Technology has advanced and gone down in cost so much that now you can just buy all of the hardware you need to set up a dial-up internet service provider. And so somebody hmm. had that set up, and you could you know you see the different levels of speed from like 56k modem to ID to like I forget what it was called. It's like IDSN or or something. Yeah, I would also think like like with the modern internet too. Like right, like you get things like you know we were talking about on the the awards live stream about uh oh no i forgot uh cyber 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 world cyberpunk yeah 70, cyberpunk 2077 2077 how it's like a huge game right and like part of that is because like computers have gotten so good that like you there's optimizations that like are no longer like just completely debilitating right like you can do it it's a pain but you can still do it but like i imagine the internet's kind of like that too where like there's a lot of Oh, computer the 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 lower bound of the average person that would be using our website. 
is such that we can... Yeah, we can't have all of these fancy graphics or we need to compress them down and crunch them down because otherwise it'll take 20 minutes to load our web page or, or something like that. Yeah. I, I, it took them a while to get it set up, so I didn't actually, unfortunately, get to check out that exhibit like uh, practically, like, like hands-on. But that was the other really amazing thing is that, you know, unlike a museum proper, like where basically all the exhibits are behind, you know, glass or, or you know, behind a barrier, these were basically all completely hands-on. Like people, in, like you know, they encouraged you to you know, sit down in front of like this array of old Commodore computers and, you know, type up a basic program, like run, run some software on it, you know. And hmm. that was really, really cool. Somebody had... There were a couple of digital equipment corporation machines, like PDP-8s, PDP-11s, you know, or, which were like 60s and 70s microcomputers, or like mini computers, I guess they would be called, because they, <laughs> they didn't take up whole rooms. They just took up, you know, a box that was like, you know, yeah. two to three square feet, or two to three cubic feet <laughs> instead. I mean, mm-hmm. some of these boxes, make no mistake, were were very large. One of the amazing things is somebody had a time-sharing PDP-8 system, which had a hard drive that was two and a half megabytes. <laughs> and Yay. it came on this big, giant caddy. The thing is the size of, it's like a one-foot uh, diameter, like, cartridge, like circular cartridge. <laughs> And this thing is two and a half megabytes, which admittedly for the time, which was, I think, early 70s, that's actually a a perfectly reasonable amount of storage for that time period. But it's just like it's loud. I mean, not super loud, but it's like mm, like you can (laughs) you can. This was from the era where you could hear computers working. Like you could hear them processing. Like I mean, you could hear them. You can hear my computer working pretty hard right now. Yeah, that's that. true. But I don't mean like I don't just mean fans. I mean like you could hear them basically crunching numbers. Yeah, like so floppy disks were you know you know grinding around you know hard drives whirring and and then I played I played some SimCity 2000 on an IBM three four eighty six machine. Which was was really great. Really great. I played some Doom. Got uh, Yeah, you know, and there were a whole bunch of other interesting computers. I played the original Rogue from Epics on an, wow. on, a, on Macintosh SE. So any like any any games where you say, "Oh, it's a roguelike, This is the original. This is Rogue. Uh, <laughs> so and it is primitive. It's very, very <laughs> primitive. It is just a top-down view with a little window in the bottom in, in the bottom of the screen, which is just text saying, basically, if you walk over an item, what item it is you picked up, or if an enemy attacks you or you attempt to attack an enemy. Which, by the way, a large amount of attacking enemies and them attacking you is missing. I think like there was there was probably about a thirty-five to forty percent miss chance like enemies would just constantly miss me i would constantly miss enemies and generally i would kill enemies in only one to two hits but it was just like uh it's like wow this is but you know the dungeons are all just randomly generated uh and you can see sort of a little mini map in another window in the corner of the screen you've got an inventory which Mm -hmm. is just like you just click and drag they're basically look like desktop icons like it it largely uses the Macintosh's own user interface. Like everything is just system windows with like, and again, the inventory is literally desktop icons. Like you can click and drag them around as if it was just a, a, an, a window on your, uh, with a directory hmm. on your computer. It's really funny. I think some of the, the old Mac venture games like um, Deja Vu and uh, Shadowgate on Mac were, were similar uh, in how they function. But I digress. I also... Didn't you also play a very early video game? Yep. I was I was actually just about to, uh, to bring that up. I got to play one of the first video games ever made. I think it might be the second, maybe the third. I'm not sure. Debatable. It was Space War on its original system, 
the PDP-1, which is, again is, is uh, Digital Equipment Corporation. And we had an entire uh, demo shown off of the thing playing music, which was fascinating because it has no speakers. The way that the, the person told us, the person they had the person there who actually wrote the software back in 1962. And the way that he did that was he unplugged some of the the light bulbs on the front panel which would blink to show you basically the status of the computer's processing he unplugged four of the light bulbs on the front for the status registers which could also be optionally like manually written to to change their value uh and wired up speakers and some and and another you know a student at MIT's just uh stereo amplifier and hmm. then in software would just turn those lights on and off at a certain frequency to make it play yeah. music like it is astonishing and and that that whole routine by the way takes up basically the entire processing power of the computer just to because it, it's just basically turning you know turning value like turning a, a light on and off at you know like 2000 times a second yeah yeah. So, but you actually played the game Space War, right? Yes, like, I did. And on so, this the is the question. Thing. This is the question. Yes. Was it a fun video game? Does it hold yes. up? Yes, it was a Does fun video up? game. It it holds up. Like we, because it's a multiplayer <laughs> game. So there's two people. They showed us two different versions. The very original version, which is just a sort of little star in the center just for a reference point, and two ships flying around. Later, they added a starry background, and they made the star in the center actually have gravity. So if you get too close, you're, oh. it'll like actually start a messing with the trajectory of your ships. Your ships will curve around the star. Hmm, and cool. you know basically you have a a thrust button which you fires your rocket engine you have a fire button which shoots a little missile in, uh, out from the front of your ship you can turn the ship left or right and then you can you you can press hyperspace which will warp your sh- which will make your ship disappear and reappear somewhere else randomly on the screen uh however that feature was added kind of last minute and so if you do it too much, uh, sometimes you just don't reappear, and the <laughs> game restarts because it counts you as having died because your ship just doesn't come back. And so the sort of lore explanation they gave was that no one has returned after using hyperspace more than seven times. So they decided to make the bug <laughs> a feature, and mm. it was it was fun. I you know uh, several other people you know there was this is a packed little demonstration. So we. I had a blast playing it. It was genuinely really fun. It's just a simple, simple game, but it it still holds up and it's still really fun. And yeah, it it was great. I loved this whole trip, and I just oh, it was better than I could have imagined. Also, one last thing that I'm really proud of that I uh, that I really enjoyed doing. Uh, I was sitting down at a table eating lunch in the sort of exhibit hall. And some of the other people, you know, just, uh, you know, every random person who was there at the event kind of just sits down at tables and starts eating and chatting. Uh, and I got to talk with a man by the name of uh, Leonard Trammell, who is the son of Jack Trammell, yeah. the oh. founder of Commodore Computers. Wow. Uh, and he himself, Leonard, was, I believe, an executive or one of the, like, head honchos at both Commodore and Atari in the 80s and 90s. So it was really cool getting to talk with him and just meet, you know, he was talking with a whole bunch of us sitting around the table and kind of hearing his, his insights on the computing world and the video game world and everything just over, you know, all of the, all of the years and how, you know, he's a lot of the sentiments he hears nowadays is stuff that he's heard two or three times before, uh, in the past, having been in the industry so long, it was, it was oh, just hmm. really, really cool. Very very interesting, uh, very, very cool guy to talk to. And I think that's my time. Nice. Yes, but Good how timing. was the ray tracing? How was the ray tracing? <laughs> uh, it was, it was great. They, they traced lines on that vector display, uh, <laughs> that no, actually it was, it was a vector, it was a vector monitor. So, cause it was meant for point plotting for statistics work. So, <laughs> 
yeah, it was uh, the ray tracing. The, there, there sure were some nice glowing lines on that screen. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I like to hear. Blue, how do you want to spend the rest of your 14 minutes since you used one minute for a joke about ray tracing? Okay, so lightning round. Uh, there was a trailer for a new Invincible game, and people didn't like it because it was a good trailer, and then it was a mobile game. Which, at this point, I just kind of expect from every game that doesn't show gameplay. Like, <laughs> But Blue, don't you guys have phones? I do, and I don't think I have any games on it right now. <laughs> yeah, not not a single game. Me neither. People don't buy phones for mobile games. People download mobile games because they just happen to be there, not because they want them. Yeah. Basically, if you have your phone and you're in situations where you don't have internet for extended periods of time, or if you have like really, uh, you've got like data, it, you like you have limited data. The problem with that is that when... most mobile games require an internet connection now. Yeah. So yeah. So that's just... that's also Ugh. feeding into the issue. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I heard from James that if if you've been wondering if the Minecraft multiplayer moderation issue has gotten better, it hasn't. You're welcome for that breaking news. Oh. Um, <laughs> Nicholas Cage is now in Dead by Daylight, and I haven't played him yet, but uh, I'm hearing good things. Also, isn't the Xenomorph from Alien also coming to Dead by Daylight? That's on its way, yeah. It just got announced wow. the other day. <laughs> that, at least, that feels like it makes a little more sense than Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Not that I'm upset that Nicolas Cage is around, but it definitely seems like that. Like, I can see how that sort of came together. I, I guess maybe because Nicolas Cage was in a vampire movie. Is that really Well, he's it? actually, uh, he stars in several horror movies, like Color Out of Space, which is uh, probably the best adaptation of Lovecraft I've seen. And also, Mom and Dad was lots of fun. Oh yeah, that was a fun movie. I also heard he's just a really big fan of horror, like as a genre. Yeah, and, and also yeah. his, I, I think his son is really into the game, so... Yeah, he had a whole speech at like Summer Games Fest about yeah. about it. Yeah, so it's like, the, yeah, it just made sense. Why not? The one, the one thing I did hear because my sisters love Dead by Daylight as well is that they've been saying if you're playing as him, when he's like, I don't know if he's like been hooked or or if he's like being grabbed by the killer, uh, <laughs> he will start begging for his life, <laughs> like and just talking about he's like, please, like please, I have money, I'm a celebrity or something, something really goofy. Which apparently he just had a lot of fun doing his lines. Yeah, uh, I, he, I've heard he's one of the more talkative characters in the game, but also he's like uh, from the killer's perspective, from being able to hear him like walking around and like breathing and stuff, he's actually quieter. So in like a tier list of more meta characters, he's more up there, I think. Also, I think one of his perks is actually part of the meta game now. Hmm. So there's hmm. that. Are they gonna ban Nicolas Cage to Ubers? I don't. <laughs> I don't think. Well, maybe his perk, but they. I don't think they've ever banned a character. You know, I was just making a. a, a, a that's a very Pokemon way to look at. Yeah, it. it's very. Dead by Daylight competitive is very interesting topic because, like, years ago you'd be like, oh, it's not really possible, but we'll try to do an approximation. And so you, like, have a list of banned perks, but now, like, the whole game is trending towards competitive, so it's just really weird. Oh, oh no. Uh, I got an email, and that's legally all i can say about that i think <laughs> you got a email yep. you can't even say what it's an email I, about i literally cannot but is it is it something that you will one day be able to tell us yes okay so you can tell us so now get a, it out that's of the a way. little <laughs> i, <laughs> I cannot no definitely not out of a podcast that's being <laughs> recorded <laughs> 
it's probably like very like he's probably a not supposed to tell us and b definitely not supposed to record it. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Uh, hey, good talk, guys. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I forgot that I couldn't talk about it for a minute. Um, <laughs> oh, there's a re a resurrection, I suppose, of the game Marvel Avengers Alliance, which was a Facebook. Game. No way, I. Dude, I played an unhealthy amount of Oh, you don't know about this yet? Day. Oh my goodness. No, no. We ju- they just released a new beta. I've been like, I've done a bit of animation for it and I've been doing some of the beta testing. We're resurrecting, well, mostly them. I just like help a little bit and I'm like, here's a bug. I found it. Um, but I did do one animation. It was cool. Or I did a set of animations. I did the daredevil animations. It was cool. So they're they're bringing back the entire game as it was, except they're fixing all the gross money grubbing parts because it's gonna be like an offline single player experience. And so instead of waiting for energy or like waiting for everything to take real time, you can play more, and every battle reduces timers by like ten minutes. So if you have a character that's waiting in the training room or on a remote ops you go into a few battles and then you've got 30 minutes less on the timer and uh they're also when they finally have gotten the full game as it was most for the most part besides the fixes uh they're actually there's a seasons of new content planned like oh. new characters and new storylines so i can probably uh, <laughs> why did you have to tell me about <laughs> this yeah. is my ff14 <laughs> spent too so many hours in this that's a really cool thing i've been helping out with when i can and on that note there's also i just found out about well this actually just started a couple weeks ago it seems marvel heroes which is I think my favorite game of all time, but I, for like the last year that it was around, or like for a year, I I played it for about, or I wanted to play it for about three years, but the year in between, I my computer just absolutely refused to run it for seemingly no reason, and I had to spend... I actually had to just send it in to someone finally after weeks of trying to fix it myself. It it just... It, something real messed up was wrong with it. And <laughs> finally I was allowed to play it again and then they announced that they were shutting it down. And so that's... Wah, wah. But I've heard, or I've, I've seen I, with my own eyes, that there is a... Uh, there's currently a small project going on that is getting what they can of that back online. So far, they can load you into one of the hubs. You can play as any or most of the characters, and a lot of the abilities work. But it is like a very small team, and they don't know how far they can they didn't actually for years i've when i've been trying to find out about this like if this was possible it seemed like no it was all server side and no one has that information and so it's completely impossible but i just i heard a whisper about it the other day and surprise it's not impossible at least not entirely where they're not sure how far they can go with it yet but they made a surprise breakthrough, and there's a they're much further along than they ever thought they'd be. Basically, I'll be honest. If they could just get that game running up, like with just single player, I'll be yeah, more than I happy would be with that. completely fine with that. I don't Absolutely. think I used the multiplayer like aspect of that game at all. Yeah, I don't think I did either. <laughs> so that is really exciting. Yeah, that is. is I think that's it for now. Fun fact, uh, Marvel Heroes was the first game I ever beta tested. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was a, I was a wee lad. I heard I'll... the beta was bad. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't play it afterwards. <laughs> oh. 
They also, got, played... they also got rid of character progress. I'm like, well, okay, I don't want to start again. <laughs> when I played it, it was amazing. I'm trying to think. Like, I played, uh, like, Minecraft when it was in beta, but that's different, I feel like, than being a beta tester. Yeah, yeah. probably. And I played, I played Overwatch Free Weekend, which was not quite a beta test, but I think it was kind of a test. And the game was very different than even like a year later but that's that's about it and i didn't give like explicit feedback or anything like that i tested uh pizzerian hey nice <laughs> we love pizzerian <laughs> um all right john blue's giving you some extra minutes all or right. actually maybe save those extra minutes for me at the end uh yeah. so that uh i can i can do the uh <laughs> the, outro. the uh the housekeeping that's not gonna happen um, do you <laughs> Uh, okay, so, uh, before I get to the video games I've been playing, um, one thing I want to talk about is this totally real, you can't convince me otherwise, uh, Final Switch 2 Reports by VGC. <laughs> They're uh, real this time. It is real this time, because uh, multiple studios have confirmed they actually have dev kits. <laughs> so, ha. I'm going to believe right, so- you, but I, I'm still going to point out how it sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Switch 2, not well, the so, Switch okay. Pro. The, the, the Switch the, Pro was all fake from the begin with. <laughs> this I'm is just, just the next-gen system that was People inevitable. have been like, oh, the next Switch console, the, the sequel is going to come out soon. They did it with bo- mostly the Pro, but also like the follow-up. Yeah, They've the, been like, the oh, two, it's totally the, real. The Pro is what people... The pro is what people like actually hooked on to because people started doing this rumor like very soon after the Switch was out, like only like a couple years. And so even though people were saying, oh, it's the Switch Pro, it's the Switch 2, at that time, the Switch Pro was the thing that would make the most sense if they were actually going to do something within the year. Um, and now we've moved into now Switch 2 makes the most sense of what they would do if they made a new Switch. But it, 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 there's a certain aspect, like I'm not saying that it's not wrong, but like, or that it's not right, but it's just that there's people out there who just say, oh, the next Switch is coming out, and they've just been saying it for, like, the past five years, and, like, yeah, eventually they're gonna be right. <laughs> yeah, now they, and now there's, like, actual reports, so this is probably the only, like, confirmed a, thing that we've ever gotten from it. <laughs> but it's a bit of a boy who cried wolf situation. Oh, yeah, don't, definitely. Where we've, we're letting, we're, we're willing to let the, uh, the boy get eaten by the wolf, which is to say we're willing to not get hyped about the Switch 2, even if it's actually yeah. coming out, and, I think is, is where people are at. And to be fair for a quick second, it's like Nintendo, like any, any company right now, like I'm sure like PlayStation's still right now, like in like, very early on, like, PlayStation 6 or something like that. Whatever the successor's gonna be. Because that's just how these companies work. So, yeah, there, there have been Switch 2, Switch 2 or, like, Switch Pro rumors for a while. But I will say that any Switch rumor that has been confirmed to be, like, or that has said, like, oh, the next Switch is gonna have 4K display, that's like, you are lying through your teeth. <laughs> there's no way, there's no realistic way you, they would do that or anything like that. <laughs> it's like, oh. But this one is just like VGC reports like multiple companies have dev kits they're planning and to be expected release next year. That I'm not too sure about. It's just the release date because people are like, oh, yeah, they're just like throwing dates out there right now. Because like that. Yeah, like I like Christmas, Christmas 2024, like that, that sort of all i could see yeah plus like it would if it was next year it's late next year yeah, plus well to be honest nintendo's like lo- uh system launches have all been like on the same like day or like relative time area which is like late november yeah that, or well no didn't except for the switch early march except yeah the switch they did early mm-hmm. march so it would yeah. be like they may try to do that again but part of that was i think and i think this was a good strategy of um saying like hey we don't want the switch to sell out Mm-hmm. so quickly so we'll release it kind of far away let all the hardcore folks get in on it quickly and then still have they won't be fighting with all the people who are just getting a switch for christmas and i think like that's worked because like the wii i remember that, especially yeah. no one could like, get that away. was like we wanted one like as a family and we we had to wait like a year before we could get it 
just because and part of that was because we were younger so it was like it was kind of up to the parents who weren't necessarily like plugged into everything but um i think they want to avoid that so it would be it would just sort of depend on what they assume is going to happen to the market i do know you you mentioned that they had like their their annual review yeah um and it looks like switch sales are declining but like just they're but back to Mario like Kart the first isn't. year of the switch yeah like they sold about as many in 2022 as they sold in like 2017 mario yeah, this kart is, is still steady though mario kart is still selling the same amount <laughs> no every sense. year <laughs> people are making so, literally new, since the beginning people are making like, new switch accounts just so they can buy mario kart again <laughs> it's it is i don't understand like at, at some point i need to run the numbers and see like what is the what percentage of switch owners own mario kart 8 what because it's got to be crazy i, I want to know how many of the human population has a I want to know what percentage of those sales are physical. Yeah, I would be. Curious. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can you can see that, but that would be an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's got to be like the go to game, right? Like it's just like. Oh yeah, no, that's like that's the no brainer game. It's like you pick up a switch. What do you get? Oh, how about this one that everybody likes and talks about? <laughs> this is the multiplayer Mario game. Well, you know, mm-hmm. Super Smash Brothers and other games might have something to say about that. So what do, do we know? Are these rumors that are the, the the aspects of them that are kind of substantiated? Is there anything about them that like says what the Switch Two is going to be like? Aside from the fact that I think I have seen this, like it is going to be like going to keep the you can put it in a rectangle and put it on your TV, or you can hold it in your hands. Uh, the only thing we know for sure is that it will launch with an LCD screen instead of the an OLED screen. Which is probably just being done for cost because, like, for cost, yeah. the OLED screen, while it's nice, it's not necessary in the slightest. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I bet the the extra <laughs> cost it incurs is not valuable to the actual customer base, yeah. right? Like, there's definitely people who are like, "Oh yeah, I love the the crispness of the OLED," but I think for most people who are like playing in handheld mode, that's not like I'm gonna. It would be like it'd be nice, but it's not like you know a hundred dollars nice or even like fifty dollars nice. like to be honest the only time i ever play my switch in handheld mode is when i take it on trips it's like for most of the time i'm playing on it it's docked to a monitor or my tv Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i that used to be me i do it handheld now just because i'm floating around more and when i lived in london the the tv just was not set up for it Mm -hmm. there was a tv mounted way up on a wall and there was nowhere to put the dock (laughs) but whatever my next situation will be uh, I will probably try to get something a little more concrete. Yeah, the only other detail is that it will have 32 gigs of internal memory, which, yeah. That's, that's which is a lot, actually. How much, because doesn't the current Switch only have, like, 8? No, no, it has, like, it has 16. Oh, that's, oh, because it's probably shared, it's shared video and, uh, and system RAM, I bet. Hmm. Yeah, but then they'll probably have a micro SD card slot so you can put in whatever terabyte of micro SD you have. Right, but that oh 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 thirty oh, of storage. I was thinking, yeah. For some reason, I was thinking RAM, and I was like, wait, no, a no, no, thirty two no. gigs of RAM. <laughs> no, storage. I was like, what? We were just talking about keeping costs down. Why are we going thirty two gigabytes of RAM? I have downloaded all of the RAM on the internet. Yes, Tears of the Kingdom in hundred twenty frames per second. Baby, let's go. Uh, which RAM helps nothing with? <laughs> and also, the screen refresh rate probably wouldn't be able to show it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there's yeah. speculation that it's going to use basically the successor to the same, uh, the same sort of processor that the current Switch uses. Which, I mean, again, I don't think any of the current reports that are like relatively believable have actually confirmed that or not i don't yeah i don't recall uh, i do yeah, i remember not... reading in an interview that like they said it'll have a different gimmick basically or a new what gimmick. is what does that mean though like, i i don't you never know with nintendo it'll have a really. new, it'll have a new hook they have a I don't, smart idea i don't idea. think anyone or maybe they did. I don't remember. I guess. But did 
Did anyone, when they were like, okay, so after the Wii U, there's gonna be this thing that acts as a console and a handheld at the same time. Was that, like, a common... No, that was the first... I don't think so. I think that was, like, a pretty big innovation that no one really saw coming in any meaningful way. I, I bet we could go. You could go back you, far enough in the Game Cola podcast, yeah, and and see what we were talking about. Yeah, you were talking about the next or NX or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it was. I don't know how much had been revealed about it on the one. That, yeah. yeah, there's definitely the the NX was what it was was the code. Yeah, name. I remember I a, hearing. I think it's like talk about what, that. I listened to that uh, podcast recently, but I've kind of forgotten. I've just been listening to a bunch of older Game Cola episodes, and I've. I've kind of forgotten a lot about what I heard, but I was like, I definitely remember that a lot of the predictions were totally off base. <laughs> I definitely remember it's that the majority history. of what was said turned out to be wrong. I remember people like saying, oh, I really don't think I'm going to like this, or I don't know if this is going to do well, or like, I don't, there are some predictions, like either personal predictions about what games people would like or whether things would be good or not. I don't know, Mr. Edison, this light bulb thing doesn't seem to catch on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day, this stuff was predictable. Uh, yeah, no, that's the only two confirmed things. We also just don't know if it'll be backwards compatible or whatnot. I think it could go either way. Uh, no, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it is, and I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't. Yeah, I almost wonder if, like, it wouldn't actually be, like, because I, I don't, if they're using, like, similar hardware and just, like, you know, going up a generation, but using the same basic hardware infrastructure, I feel like that would probably lend itself to not yeah. having to put much effort into making it yeah. backwards compatible. But then also... If you have a lot of digital games, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't I don't know how that affects the whole backwards compatible angle, right? Like there's a certain point it's like most people are buying their games digitally. So if we just say yeah, if you have a physical cartridge, you can put it in the new thing. But then I don't know then that would well long term I that mean, would probably encourage more people to buy the hardware the the physical versions and I think they make more money on the digital versions so I think they would prefer if they are going to say like oh you can keep your previous Switch library into this new Switch they would want to make the the digital library somehow also uh, go over though they probably wouldn't like you would probably have to have a different maybe a different Nintendo Switch online I don't know there's a lot of different angles they yeah. could take on it, it and be... there's a lot they wouldn't necessarily stick to the ones that would be popular. Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, I will say that, like, that would be about the stupidest possible move would be making physical Switch games, compa like, compatible and, like, n doing something weird with the digital light. Like, yeah. If anything, that, I feel that, like that they would, would be, do the reverse. Yeah, I was like, if, well, yeah, like, I could see them, well, I mean, but, I mean, I I'm thinking more of, like, a 3DS kind of situation where, like, you can play, you can plug in. DS games and like they work but then there's something about you know switch to games that like oh they they don't physically fit or it's like it's not compatible but, <laughs> they put a, they but put also, a notch on these <laughs> yeah exactly maybe but like i like if they're going to allow backwards compatibility with physical games there is it would be asinine to not do the same like the same kind of convenient like to to not do that for for digital games, I don't know if that's what you were implying or if it like it would be a yeah, different I procedure. Just... I I can't imagine why it would be a different procedure for digital versus physical backwards compatibility. I guess. Well, I just I mean like when I think about it, I think about the angle of you know when a game when your system is backwards compatible, then you don't have to rebuy the game. Right. So I'm not saying like you would not be able to play. Uh, you would not be able to download Breath of the Wild onto Switch 2. I'm saying, can you play Breath of the Wild on your Switch 2 because you bought it for the Switch 1? And would it matter if you had it physically or digitally? Hmm. Um, and the the thing is, is like because Nintendo is so strongly based on its first-party titles in a way that I feel like other companies aren't quite as much, though I do think, with especially with... Microsoft's acquisition sprees that that may be changing kind of too. It's just more of a subsidiary relationship than the sort of straightforward first party in-house at Nintendo. Mm -hmm. But like if you've if you've got a platform that has a lot of third party titles, 
making all of those third-party titles work on your new console is just a bonus to get people to buy your new console because it comes with a bunch of games and you weren't going to make any more money from those games or maybe not as much i don't know how the, the actual deals work mm -hmm. but i feel like that's different when it's like nintendo's like people may just buy mario kart 8 again <laughs> they like it that much so maybe we shouldn't let them be able to play it because they'll probably just buy it again <laughs> and so like in, not, not use your old copy whether it's physical or digital again i don't know but then like you know, i don't know you could just get a bunch of people who then say well then why would i buy a switch too if it's just a fancier switch you know i didn't i didn't think i didn't i i did not think at all about even considering getting a the the OLED switch for example yeah, I never because considered like getting that and you, you I think you would without enough features like backwards compatibility you would get a lot of people to say like sure then if someone gets a switch who never had one they would get the new one but right. people with an old one would not necessarily move forward and I think that's the that's the angle you would have to worry about especially if you're keeping even if you're trying to put in some new gimmick that we can't think of if you're still using the same underlying physical uh, or sorry, uh, the underlying, you can put it in the TV or you can do it handheld, then you're going to need to differentiate it some way and the backwards compatibility could go a long way. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the other thing to consider is also like, are they going to continue selling the original Switch? Because that that's another thing. Oh, the, yeah. The price standpoint, like the, the, the thing you have to wonder is. Are they if they are they going to stop selling the original Switch before this console comes on sale, or are they going to discount the original Switch and then sell the new console at some particular price, maybe the price of what the Switch used to be, or are they keeping the Switch's price where it is and then the Switch Two is going to be more expensive? Because I mean, if you know, if I guess if they're going to keep selling the Switch you know, one way or another, especially if if there is no backwards compatibility for some particular reason if they decide to go that route uh then presumably they would keep selling the switch for a while so beyond that there would need to be some kind of value proposition either in price or in functionality uh yeah there'd also be a pretty big resale market yeah too cuz a lot of people would be like well if i'm getting a switch too i don't need my original switch that, john you got a couple yeah. minutes get your get your games that you've been playing in recent uh times. okay i uh 100% in mega man x that was super nice. fun hadouken nice. <laughs> hadouken <laughs> uh what uh what else i'm also currently playing final fantasy 7 i think i'm more a little more than halfway through it i don't know it's hard to tell with these games and that and then i just looked up there's a whole bunch of side content i missed i'm like oh i hate i hate it when that happens but uh and uh yeah and then there's i think i'm also like replaying spider-man web of shadows because that game is just a dopamine rush for me at this point <laughs> which which version uh i'm on the xbox version i also have the pc version too physically okay. uh, but, is that one of the ones that's a metroidvania or is that no that's a, uh that's the ps2 and ds yeah, ones that's the one i played and i had no idea that the other ones were completely different recently. <laughs> oh, i was like oh i have to find a way to play this <laughs> yeah that's what i that's what i've been up to that's what i've been playing and uh, i love it I'll, I'll go back to web shadows any day of the week because my god that is the web the web web strike mechanic in that game alone is super repetitive it's not a good game <laughs> i will say that <laughs> oh. it, it's uh i mean gameplay wise it's like super addicting and super fun but it's also very repetitive and there's like a big glitch in every single cutscene that happens <laughs> and there's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. it's but it's uh it's well it's a well thought out game it's just not well polished i think that's best mm. also the animations on spidey himself like oh my god it's like the best anime. That's one thing those games have always nailed is just the animations. Except when they bug out. Eh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Cola Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to check us out on our actual internet website, GameCola.net, or on our YouTube channel, GC.net, the letter G, the letter C, the word dot, the word net. Follow us, go to the Discord. I'm only giving you one other call to action because I think that's supposed to be better. So go to the Discord. Find it in the Twitter description or in the YouTube description or on the website. Buried in the uh, woods. And hang out with us because it's fun. Blue is going to post a thing 
about Pokemon Infinite Fusion, where you can click on a link and say what new fusion you want, I assume. Yeah, I got a notification that literally said breaking news, so... Yeah. I can yeah. do that. So, so you can come to the Discord, <laughs> and you can find that, and you can talk... You can see all the fusions that Blue posts pretty frequently, <laughs> which I do enjoy. I... As long as people like it, because I like sharing them, because... The artists working on it are very talented and creative. Oh yeah, they're no, they're they're fantastic. People people have entire YouTube channel. Sorry, YouTube shorts. Yeah, where it's I've, just like, I've got a flood of those, watch... and I'm like, huh, I've I've been here for years. Yeah, <laughs> this is like you can support an entire YouTube shorts channel just being like, look at this cool thing an artist made. <laughs> Yeah, and, but there's other stuff you can talk about video games. You can ask us follow-up questions about the podcast. You can help us shape what kind of things we want to talk about on the podcast. You can learn about things like when we do the live stream. We do the awards live stream. You can check that out if you want. Um, but we're, we're running out of the, the very short time that I've allotted for this podcast. So have a wonderful time of day, wherever it is, whenever it is. You're listening to this podcast. We'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Later. Um, do you do you still have the um the alarm going off? Uh no, I think it's over. Okay, which is okay. sh- I was gonna be like, oh no, we're running out of yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's shocking because that fire alarm normally goes on for like two hours straight. <laughs> <laughs>